Team Builder, and thank you so much for joining us today on Ask Michelle and Chris. We're here to answer your questions about team building so we can learn and grow together. I'm your host, Michelle Cummings of Training Mills, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Cavert of Fun Doing and On Team Building. Let's go find out what we can answer for you today. Hi, Chris. How are you? Hi, Michelle. It's been a while. I know. It has been a little bit. Yeah. Hi, listeners. Um, sorry, we have a, a little bit of a, a respite. Michelle and I are, man, feet to the ground. What's that What's that saying? Nose to the grindstone, that one? Feet to the ground. Oh, man. We Whatever. Are, we're everywhere. Yeah. It's, and I am, I'm back out on ropes courses and training facilitators. I love that stuff. Life uh, but is full. Snowed, it snowed the other day, and that... Ooh that kind of freaked me out uh, <laughs> October and it already spit out snow while we were running a ropes course. Yeah. So exciting. Winter is coming. Yeah. New, new facilitators. Um, I love how everything's really hard mm. for them and, and our perspective. I think that what's everybody that does team building once they, once their perspective grows. Yeah. Um, then you look, you look at these new, facilitators and, and you just kind of smile because you, you can't tell them anything. Right. You, you no, when they have to experience it. I mean, that's yes. experiential education, right? They, yeah. they have to experience and get that experience under their belt before they're the ones that get their own perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like, they're, they're standing there freezing cold and they're like, Oh my God, it's cold out there. And you just kind of smile <laughs> and you're like, yeah. And you're going to be out here for four hours. <laughs> what do you say? You yeah. know, you just gotta smile that we have a, we have what we call an old goat that is one of our facilitators and he just looks at him and he's just, he smiles. He's right in front of me. He's actually walking past me. He, he just looks at him and just laughs because they're young and they're learning and, and we've got to accept that. We've got to let him do that. Mm -hmm. I think it, not sacrificing safety. Right. Because there's also, you've got to clip people into a zip line and your hands are freezing and you can't feel your fingers, then that's a problem. Right. However, there's, you know, how do we, how do we learn from that? What do we do? Um, sometimes we just smile, let them keep going. I have a facility. There's a facilitator here who loves just to elaborate. Yeah. You just got to, got to let them do it. Yeah. yeah. I agree. So Chris, we what are we, in. What do we got? We are in our fifth episode. Part five. part five, yeah. Part five of effective debriefing tools and techniques. So we're going to talk about our final two, which are action and reflection and object lessons. And I love both of these. I have probably said that at the beginning of all four of the other parts of these because I just love debriefing, but I really love action reflection and the object lesson because they're their ways, they, they just engage participants in a different way than some of the other sit and get methods or something like that. So, so I'm excited to dive in today. We're going to first start with action and reflection. And Chris and I each have a couple of activities that we're going to brainstorm through and share with you. And then as well as the same with the object lessons. So, so action and reflection, let's just start with that one. What is that? Why is that a technique that is separate from some of the other techniques? And you know, in my mind, when I was coming up with this list of 10, you know, for me, if you think about it, traditional processing, normally it, it involves a group of 
participants sitting down in a what shape? In a circle, right? After an activity, and then the facilitator asks questions, and then you know, participants respond and, and things like that. That's the sit and get method. And again, it's a very effective method, but if that's the only method that you use, then you know it can get tiresome for everybody involved, not just the participants, but then also for you as the facilitator as well. So action and reflection, it's a technique that really gets participants up out of their seats, not in a seated position and get them physically engaged in their reflection. And some benefits of this, why you would actually choose this method is that anytime, I mean, A, it's experiential, right? Like we're actively doing it, but it also, it could create some muscle memory and that movement connected to a reflective practice actually aids in long-term retention um, in the brain. So there's some great research around that as well, that that when you, of course, just from an experiential perspective, when you're actively learning, then you retain it more. So it is no different when we are actively reflecting that we actually will retain it better as well. So, so, you know, and what I love about that, I mean, it's asking participants to take a conscious look at their emotions, the experiences, actions, responses, all of that, that just really adds to their existing knowledge base and helps them reach a little bit higher level of understanding of what they learned, how they want to apply it and whatnot. And another reason I love it is that it, it also, especially if you've done like a full day program with a group at the end of the day, people are tired. Um, their brains are tired. Their bodies are tired. So when you add a little movement to that, it really helps manage that energy. Cause the last thing you want is someone falling asleep in your final sharing circle. Right. So, so, and you know, and not that they're trying to be rude, but they are literally their brains and bodies are full. And so I love that. It just helps with a little bit of that, that fatigue and um, a little bit of added energy and retention after a long full day. All right. I'll, let me share one. Yeah. So the yeah. idea is uh, we've talked about um, just a quick reference, just the idea of a pair and share, just yeah. get up and, and, and make them move around, mm -hmm. yeah. pair up with someone near you. Or if you've done handshakes, get together with your happy salmon handshake person. Uh, get together with your rodeo handshake, get together with your high five person. Now they're reconnecting with something you've done in the beginning of the program. And then you ask a question, they pair and share. Yeah. So that's, a, that's the idea of active, getting them up moving versus sitting and going around taking turns. One of my favorites is called, I call it the listen talk circle. Mm. I always have a 50 foot activity rope wherever I go. That's one of the things, deck of cards, 50 foot activity rope couple other things I always take with me. Yeah. So if I put this big activity rope down in a circle, we stand outside the circle. All right. Nice circle formation. As we know, we can see each other. That's great. And then I, I'll ask a question. And the idea is if you're standing outside the circle, you have your listening ears on. Mm. If you have a response to the question, all I do is ask them to step inside the circle. And then we just systematically kind of go around. So it's a challenge by choice. We're not looking around and waiting for somebody to raise their hand or speak. They're voting with their body. So they're actively moving, stepping in. We go around, we go around. People are still thinking. It gives them time to think while other people are starting. We are listening. We're trying to listen. Some people are thinking about what they might respond to. So there's a little bit of a dichotomy there. But once they're done, then they step back 
outside of the circle and then they listen. We go around until there's no one in the middle of the circle anymore. Then we've basically talked about that question enough. And then I give one last try. Anybody have anything else about that question? Step into the circle. You know, so we see who wants to talk. Then we do another question. Mm. Then we step in. So we do a few of those. Don't, you don't have to belabor it, right? Yeah. But you can do a few. And by getting up and moving, as you said, Michelle, the brain is physically doing something. And now we're talking about something. So we're taking it in. It's like something giving someone a fidget. They're physically fidgeting, but their brain, then that, that processing part of the brain can start thinking about what the response would be. I love that. That's really, that's awesome. I love it. It reminds me some of the kind of the therapeutic work I did when I was, you know, back when I was doing adventure therapy with kids. And, you know, if you had, you, you would ask a question, if someone had something to say, they would stick their two fingers out. Right. Like, and that was an indicator, like, I would like to respond to that, but I love yours. Cause it's, it's up and active and, um, like I like the stepping into the circle when I have something to stay, there's some good statements there. Like, especially you could probably, I'm going to guess that when participants have something that they really want to say, they probably step into the circle with a little bit more conviction. Um, so you can really tell when somebody has some passion or emotion around what they want to say. I'm excited to try that one. I've not done that one before. So I'm excited to try that out. There's also people who step in and eventually they'll step out. Mm -hmm. They think they want to share or oftentimes somebody already said it and they think they can't say it again. Oh yeah. Step out. So it's almost another thing to ask about. Right. Uh, just to see where they're at. They were brave at one moment and all of a sudden they got nervous and they stepped out. So we're yeah. seeing stuff that we can continue with. It's, it's, so it's a, it's a fun process to watch. I like it. And, and I like it. And I never really call it action reflection, but that's one that's of my it is. Yeah, that's what it is. Absolutely. Okay. I have, I have so many. I'm going to be, it's going to be hard for me to pick and choose which ones I want to do. But number one, thumb balls are just the easiest, right? The thumb ball is, is a ball that has pre-printed questions written on it. It's called a thumb ball because when you catch it, you look under your thumb and you answer whatever question is written under your thumb. So I've designed several thumb balls that are um, really good just for the debriefing side of experiential activities. So the one is called just the debriefing thumb ball. And that one has three different colored panels on it as well that match the what, so what, and now what categories. So that one is a really great one to use for newer facilitators that maybe like, I don't, maybe you don't quite understand how to ask the right questions in the right categories yet. But then also what I love about it is that the group is walking themselves through the what, so what, now what. So tell them, catch the ball. We're going to do four or five questions on orange, then four or five questions on green, and then four or five questions on blue. And then the group walks themselves through the what, so what, now what process. And you didn't have to ask one question. So that's a really, that's a great one. Um, and then I've got, so that's the debriefing thumbball. I have another one just called end of day review thumbball that is literally just good, simple review questions that they get at the end of the day. Doesn't necessarily follow the sequence of the what, so what, now what, they're just all good review questions. So that one is a nice one just to toss in. The ball does the work for you that answers all the question. And then I took my, um, the body part debrief activity and turned it that into a thumbball as well. So it basically is a little icon of a body part and then the question right with it. So with the brain, maybe there's a little icon of a brain and then it says, what did you learn today? And so, and it's got 32 panels on it. So 32 different questions on it. So that one, um, so those three I use really, really regularly. 
And I have to do, I have to put a plug for my favorite one now is the blank one. Oh, yes. And then you can make it relevant to your program. I, that, when, when that came out, I jumped on that right away. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. that's and cool. with that one, you would just use a really fine tip Sharpie and that works best, but you know, and then you could even have different, like choose a different color for a different theme and different things like that. A beach ball and a Sharpie also works really well too. So, so that's a great action and reflection um, debriefing tool as well. That one requires props, of course. Um, then there's picking up on your rope idea. You said you always have a 50 foot rope with you. I also, that is also a facilitator tool of, I never leave home without it. That could actually be, maybe be another podcast episode. What are the tools you never leave home without and why? Ooh, I like that. Um, <laughs> 67. Right? Maybe that'll be our next one. Um, so the 50 foot rope, I often use as a, an end of day reflection tool that I call knot pass, which is just you tie a knot and the, end, the, the two ends of the rope together, have the group stand in a circle. And the way I like to do it, if it's a small enough group to where I have time, for everybody to make a quick share, then I just say the knot, it's the talking knot basically. And it's going to stop in front of each person as it goes around the circle. And then please, you've got 20 to 30 seconds to share. Please no five minute acceptance speeches. That's always one, like one of those little funny things that I throw in and everyone gets a little giggle out of it. But that's, but also at the same time that I'm being serious, like this is not a time for, um, for a, for a good five minute share, because we probably don't have that kind of time left if it's the last activity of the program. So, and everyone gets 20, 30 seconds just to share, just, you know, an aha from the day, a key moment of learning, something that really resonated with you, something like that. And then everyone goes around and shares, you know, just a quick 20 second share. I love that one. I, I would probably only do that if I had about 20 to 25-ish people. If you have more than that, I would just do multiple circles of that. Um, and have, so if I had a group of 60, I would do three groups, circle groups at the end. And then they can all manage that themselves. So Chris, have you done that one, but just a little bit differently? Uh, yes, with uh, another facilitator, just they did a one word we worked with a lot of fifth graders and, mm -hmm. and there was a lot of them. So it was a one word share, Got Think of one word that would describe the day for you, you yes. know, and then you get a lot of repeats and people being silly, but it, it went around 50 people fairly quickly. You know, if okay. everybody had a, you know, three to five second word, yeah. you know, you're still within three minutes. So um, yeah. yeah, just a single word might be okay. something just to keep them connected and yeah. then go around and do a last thought. Got it. Do you, do, did I miss it? What was the name of that one? Not pass. Not pass. Thank you. Yep. Just taking notes for the show notes. Sure. And All then right, my last it? one that I'm going to share on action reflection, because it is my favorite, is shuffle left, shuffle right. And I think I learned this one from Faith Evans, actually. And I think this one is written up in the book that you guys wrote together, right? I believe so. In The More the Merrier. The more the merrier. Absolutely. So shuffle left, shuffle right is one where you get everybody. This is a great non-prop one, by the way, too. So you get everybody in a circle. And the way I introduce it to the group is in a minute, but not yet, I'm going to say shuffle left. And when I say shuffle left, everyone is going to literally just start shuffling to the left. And then if you have something that you would like to share with the group, just say stop. And the whole group will stop in place. 
You've got 20, 30 seconds to share. Please no five minute acceptance speeches again. And then after you're finished, give the group a direction to go, either shuffle to the left or shuffle to the right and the whole group will follow suit. And so depending on the time you have and how large of a group you have, then say, let's hear from X amount of people. So I did this one time with Carl Ronke in one of our workshops, we had a hundred people. So clearly we did not have enough time for everybody to share. But so we said, let's hear from six or seven people. And then for those that really wanted to share, they knew they needed to be one of the, you know, the first ones to say stop. Um, and then they, um, and then you say stop, and then they've got their few moments to share. And then they give the group a direction to go, and then the group will follow suit. And then it's, if it's shuffled to the right, everyone starts shuffling to the right. And what I love about that is that there's action and reflection, there's movement and then focus, and then movement, and then focus. So I use this, this one is also fantastic to use with kids. I use this one with kids groups almost all the time because a lot of them and a lot of us as adults as well, it's really hard to stand still. Also, when you're staying, standing still and standing stationary, your energy starts to go into your feet, right? And it can, you can kind of get bored with standing in one place. So if you say shuffle left and then you just get to move just a little bit, there's some energy with that circle. Then you say stop and then you got your 20 seconds to share and then shuffle right. And then there's movement again. So movement, focus, movement, focus. I love that. And with even some of the uh, participants with the most severe ADHD or anything like that, it helps them. It helps them so much have a little bit of action um, before they have to then re train their brain to like to really listen again. Yeah. It keeps us awake. It yes. keeps us awake. Just gets the blood flowing oxygen in the brain. Yeah. I will, I'll look in the more the merrier and see if there's uh, if that's written up there. I know I have a book. I'll put it in the show notes of where shuffle left or shuffle right is, but it's pretty, pretty straightforward. Pretty it's straightforward. also in a teachable moment. We also put it in there. So it yeah, is in that nice. resource as well. The, my only warning of that is just that respectful contact with each other. Okay. Um, some groups, arms go over the shoulders, if that works. Some groups, they're connected with elbows and just reminding them to take care of themselves and others as okay. they move around in a circle. I just, you work with the young, as they get younger and younger, they just, they, they don't make the best choices. And we're just Okay, so they get squarely with their circle. I was going to say, I've yeah. never had that happen with an adult group. So I'm guessing yeah. that is more for a kid's audience. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and if you, if you, um, like you said, if you have, if we work with a rope, they can hold onto the rope and they don't have to touch each other. So that, right. that gives space. And then there's a little less of that physical uh, hemming and hawing kind of a thing mm -hmm. uh, that helps. Uh, but I, when I learned it from Faith, it was, we were hooking elbows okay. you know, and it was fun to kind of be humanly connected and just taking care of each other. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. That's a great one. I haven't done that one in a long time. That is one of my go-tos. Yeah. Like it yeah. is. And I have used it. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was with a mariner group. So these, these are guys that live on ships like all the time. And so they're, you know, there's stereotyping, but they're kind yeah. of these big burly guys that, that, you know, the last thing they want to do is come into a training room and, uh, and, and do training with a corporate trainer. Right. So, yeah. um, and they loved it. Right. So I mean, honestly, we're all just big fifth graders at heart, even as adults. Right. And we all just, we like, so the more that you can play while you're learning this, I mean, I know our listeners know that. So, um, but they, they loved it. It is one of my absolute go-tos. I use it regularly. So cool. 
Nice. So, nice, nice, nice. Okay, uh, should think? we dive into our next technique? Jump into object lessons. Yes. Okay. All right. So object lessons. So according to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, object lessons defined are something that serves as a practical example of a principle or an abstract idea. So it's kind of a metaphor, right? So you know, and, and really object lessons are used sometimes to apply, like a, when, if you've got a difficult abstract concept, it simplifies the learning basically into a concept that's a little bit more tangible. So, and then it creates an emotional connection to that concept, whatever it is. So it just kind of drives home that, you know, the, the point, and this is a separate technique from any of the other techniques that we talked about is because there's maybe only one question or the, the activity itself is actually the thing that is metaphorically relating it back to the real world or whatever the learning is that they had. So um, it's kind of more, these are activities that create aha moments, basically. So one of my favorites to use with this one is the energy ball or the energy stick, the sci-fi tube. Um, it is my hands down my favorite one for this because it is such a cool factor to it. And so if you've never seen one of these, we'll put a link to it in the show notes because you got to see it. It's 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 awesome. But it's this, I'll use the tube because it's a little easier to describe, but it's a, it's a tube that's about eight inches long and it's got two little metal pieces of tape on the end. And then there's some wires and lights kind of in the center of this clear plastic tube. And when a connection is made, a physical connection with your hands. And if you're the only one holding it, then once one hand touches one side, as soon as you touch the other side, the other piece of metal tape, the stick lights up, it makes a noise and goes off and whatnot. And it's so, it's so cool. And so to use it with a group then, so that if I'm standing in a circle with a, with a group of people, I turn to the person to my left and I say, hey, would you hold it onto one end of the metal tape? And I'll hold onto the other metal piece of metal tape. And they do that. And then, of course, it doesn't go off. And they're like, well, what, what, what we haven't finished doing here is completing our connection. And so then they would touch my hand with their free hand. They touch my free hand. And the moment they touch my hand, the stick lights up and makes noise. And so I use that as a metaphor to talk about we, if we can maintain connections with people, really cool things can happen. But as soon as one of us disconnects from the other one, it has an effect on the other person. Right. And then this is, of course, is the the only kumbaya moment that I do really in my team, team building programs or team development programs now is then if you have everybody in the circle, hold hands. And as soon as the last, if I connect up with the person to my right, then the moment, if everybody is holding hands, the moment I touch hands with the person standing to my right, the stick will go off. It doesn't matter how big your group is either. I The largest group I've done it with is 225 people. And it still worked. And so it's a fantastic metaphor to talk about if we all stay connected to the mission, vision, and values of this organization or this program or project or whatever, really cool things can happen. But if somebody disconnects from it, from it it's going to have an effect on everybody else in the circle. Wow, it's so cool. I love it. And like people will cheer. Like they love, like it's so cool. Um, so, nice. and then another thing that I do with that one, because what, so, and it uses an electric current, right? That passes through, there's some sciencey stuff going on, right? But it also works if there's a cup of water in between two people and maybe they don't touch hands, but they stick their finger in the water, both of them, then um, 
it will still work that way. So I then will sometimes use that cup of water as a metaphor. Like sometimes we can have connections with people clear across the ocean. And even though maybe we might not be able to see one another in person, that but we can still stay connected with people. So I do a lot of work in the military. So I use that, especially for, you know, for airmen or soldiers who are deploying for their families, for a kid that's got a parent that's deployed or something like that. You can stay connected with people, even though they're physically not here right now. Or, you know, you can keep those connections alive. Or for corporations that have multinational teams, if they've got teams in a different country, you can stay connected with them. It takes a little extra effort and energy, but you can totally do it. So that's my favorite object lesson. I use that one regularly to close out some of my programs. Oh man, I have to, I have to find my energy stick. I got a program next week. There you go. I got to do that. Uh, One of my most recent, I got, I'm going to say discoveries uh, was here at uh, my new job and I was training instructors and it just came to me uh, about them needing resources and needing help with what they do because they're newly trained. They just got the curriculum. They are learning. Some of them have never facilitated a group before. Um, So I just had this brainstorm and I said, okay, let's circle up. And I think there was, I'm guessing there was like 12 of us. So this may not work with large, large groups because you may lose the focus. But if you have a smaller group, I'm, I'm thinking probably you could get 16 at the max, maybe six people. The, the fewest. You just circle up and say, okay, everybody put your hand in. And then they reach arm in. So you've got all these arms inside the center of the circle. And then I would just say, I said this over and over again, what do you see? And then somebody would answer. And it, the, what happened in this experiment was they were only really saying things about a person's arm or hand. Because I, you put the hand in and I said, what do you see? that becomes a mental model of we're just looking at our hands. So that's what they created. So we would go through, I think I probably went through six or eight responses, all related to the hands or arm. And then I spoke up. I didn't, I didn't know how long I should wait, but I spoke up and I said, Ooh, I see somebody's wearing purple shoes. Um, and then all of a sudden the light bulb went off where other people started looking other places other than the, hands or arms. Mm -hmm. And this led to even people turning around and looking what's behind them, what's over their shoulder, what's over someone else's shoulder. They see a tree, they see a rock. And that led to the discussion of if we don't look around, if we're so focused on what's right in front of us, we're going to miss our resources. We're not going to ask for help because we don't see somebody that's behind us that might be able to help us if we don't turn around and look. So it's that, I think to me, that qualifies as an object lesson of we just experienced something. And if we just don't put our heads up, how many of you have done team building programs where you get them in a circle and you give them stuff to do like a word circle puzzle or something to build. And then they're all tightly in this tight circle working on the stuff. And there's tape right behind them on the table. Mm. They could have used tape to tape up their paper or their structure, but they're trying to work it out with what just they have right in front of them. It's that great lesson of we got to understand our resources and how to look for things around us. So I think that's one of my newest um, discoveries, which it really worked. And then I used it for a number of other trainings since and with the same results. 
It's always they get stuck in the mental model and it takes someone to nudge them a little bit. I haven't had, I haven't done it enough to get a per, another person in the group to start looking outside yet. But I'm a guess, I'm guessing eventually that will happen. That yeah. Someone will start saying other things other than the hand and the arm and, and spur on that. Let's look around. Let's look outside of ourselves. So that's, that's kind of a, that's kind of a fun uh, new one for me. Yeah, I like it. Um, another one that I use often is the advice from a fill in the blank. Um, advice from a pencil, advice from a snowflake, advice from a trout. And then you come up with four or five different bullet points that it's, they're all metaphoric bullet points that kind of metaphorically match whatever it is that you did that day. So for your programs in the snow, Chris, maybe advice from a snowflake. Uh, snowflake would be a good one for you. Here's my four or five bullet points for advice from a snowflake. So number one, keep your cool. Number two, celebrate your uniqueness. Number three, let your plans crystallize. Four, take time to chill. Five, appreciate small wonders. And six, look what we can accomplish when we stick together, right? So there's your team building metaphor at the end. And then I have these little snowflake charms that I can then give out as anchor tools that then anchor them back to the program that we just did in the snow together or something like that. Yeah, I, 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 that just brought up something for me since I'm in this camp setting. If we are in a circle in, in such a, in nature, you know, invite advice from a rock. Who's got advice mm-hmm. from a rock? Who's got advice from a picnic table? And they've experienced their three days here and you advice from a zip line, advice from a campfire, you yeah. know, then you're thinking about those memories come back of you. Uh, recording uh, triple take, take two, Chris's fault. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. If you have additional answers or comments about this question, please send them our way. And if you have a question you'd like us to tackle, we would love to hear it. You can find the submission link and anything we discussed in today's episode in the show notes. Find the show notes and past episodes. Okay. Uh, recording uh, triple take, take two, Chris's fault. <laughs> Okay. Uh, recording uh, triple take, take two, Chris's fault. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. If you have additional answers or comments about this question, please send them our way. And if you have a question you'd like us to tackle, we would love to hear it. You can find the submission link and anything we discussed in today's episode in the show notes. Find the show notes and past episodes at onteambuilding.com forward slash ask podcast. That's on teambuilding.com forward slash ask podcast. You can find me and sign up for my newsletter at training wheels.com. You can sign up for my fun doing Fridays activity email and find me at on teambuilding.com. We hope you join us next week for ask Michelle and Chris about team building on it. So I sometimes will bring out those two props that, and then also have these postcards. So then way I've got a little bit more of a visual for that object lesson as well. Um, so how fun. Yeah. yeah, I like that one. And and again, it's not really asking questions like we're used to in a processing circle, but it's more the, the, the object lesson itself is kind of wrapping up and it's kind of the debrief of whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. 
All right. Wow. What a great conversation. That I was know fun. this, this one was so jam packed with stuff. So jam packed. All right. Well, our part five series coming to a close. Uh, hopefully it was helpful. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing from people. We always do. So let us know if you have any other cool techniques for processing and debriefing. And we'll do, you know, we'll bring up some new techniques at a later episode. Then we're going to be moving on to uh, other questions. So please send us your questions. There's a link in the show notes. And all the stuff that we talked about today, I will, we will make sure they get in the show notes and links to props if we have them. Thanks so much for listening. If you have additional answers or comments about this question, please send them our way. And if you have a question you'd like us to tackle, we would love to hear it. You can find the submission link and anything we discussed in today's episode in the show notes. Find the show notes and past episodes at onteambuilding.com forward slash ask podcast. That's onteambuilding.com forward slash ask podcast. You can find me and sign up for my newsletter at training-wheels.com. You can sign up for my Fun Doing Fridays activity email and find me at onteambuilding.com. We hope you join us next week for Ask Michelle and Chris about team building.